0: This scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and it begins with the 14th verse. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding countryside. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and as was his custom, he stood up to read, and the scroll the prophet Isaiah was given him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here ends the reading. There's a Native American saying that goes like this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go Together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Man, doesn't that just cut right against our American impulse? Our individualism? Our wanting to strike out on our own and make our own way? I mean, we live in this society, and and I don't think it's that much different than almost any other time, really. Really? It's just it, it's more sort of in our face because of social media and and all those all those tools that we have to to connect with one another most of the time we connect like peacocks look at me I'm so pretty I got my tail up in the air I look so nice and then the rest of us whose plumage is not feeling so pretty that day we sort of look at that and we we maybe shrink back a little bit from it If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. It's a great way to look at this scripture passage from Corinthians. The Corinthians were a group of people that seemed to have a lot of divisions among them. They were made up of people from all kinds of different social strata. At least as far as we can tell, there were people who were who were more well to do. There were people who were more day laborers, we might say. Um, and so, in their in their community, when they would come together, uh, we believe it was probably on a Sunday evening or, on, or early Sunday morning for their for their worship. Now, just you've got to understand that. Um, at this time in history, there is no weekend. If you're a worker, you never stop working. You work, you work every single day. Now, if they were Jewish, if they were Jewish, they might, they might be given permission if they were a slave or if they, or if they held land. They might actually create time for the Sabbath day, which would have been what we call Saturday. They might have created time for Sabbath day. So they, so many of them might have been in a rhythm like that. But now Christians were beginning to, to worship as Christians, um, on Sundays. And so they had, they needed to do it outside of sort of the regular work day. And so it had to be sort of on the edges. But some of the more well to do people could arrive earlier to the home, probably, where they were gathering. They weren't gathering in churches, they were gathering in homes. And at this time, as part of their worship, they had a full meal. They would have a love feast, as it was called. So they weren't just having a, a little bit of bread and a little bit of wine. They, As part of their worship and their fellowship together, they would, they would eat a full meal together and share in that kind of community. And some of the, some of the more wealthy folks could get there earlier, and um, as... They or we are want to do. They just dug right in, and so by the time some of the the folks who were more the laborers or the folks who who had to work for somebody else came in, usually the food was gone. So this is one of the things that that Paul is, was writing about as part to the Corinthians is like you you're you're not paying attention to each other. You're not being hospitable to everybody within the community. And then within this community, there was a lot being made of different spiritual gifts, and and spiritual gifts have been were a conversation uh, from from early times in in Christianity. And Paul then start begins to talk about some of the gifts that were present and, and or some of the roles that people had within the community. But some people had the gifts of speaking in tongues. And if you've ever been to a, a Pentecostal worship service, you've, you've maybe experienced that or some other some other place where where m- more of that was welcomed and invited um, and encouraged. Uh, you, today, we still see this gift being used. And in some communities, um, you're not really a part of that community until you've spoken in tongues. Uh, and so in, in Corinthians, um, which would have left me out, by the way, just you say, I mean, that just has not been my experience. But um, but in this community, that particular gift was being um, lifted up because everybody thought it was, it was cool, apparently, or whatever. There was something more holy about it than some of the other gifts. And so Paul, in some of his writings, would say, well, if, if someone's going to speak in tongues, you've got to have somebody to interpret. Because we can't just have this going on and on and on for a long time and have nobody understand what the heck's going on. Yes, it's a gift from God, but, but what does it mean what is its purpose what is its role and then there were other there were other roles within within the the, the gathered community uh that people had you know cuz he calls himself an apostle and so they had the 12 apostles so they and they were they were still around they were still alive and so you had their role because they had been with Jesus and they had been taught by Jesus and so they had a particular role within the larger church community and he goes on to to in here to elucidate uh, there are some that are prophets. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, deeds of power, gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. So he sort of gives this overarching view of that. But what's happening within the community is that is that is that not all the people are being valued. And so he begins to use this body metaphor. Begins to use this body metaphor. Anybody, anybody ever... Uh, Stub your toe? Yeah, okay? Little toe? Pinky toe? Ever break your pinky toe? Yeah. It's great. You realize, like, well, I mean, how often do you think about your pinky toe? Maybe in the shower when you're washing it? Maybe when you have to cut the toenail? Maybe? But boy, let me tell you what. Bang that thing into the leg of a chair or the leg of a couch and it turns black and blue, and pretty soon you realize just how important that thing is to your whole body. To your whole body. But we don't often think of it that way. And that's what was happening. That was what was happening in this community was was some of the 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 inferior members or the members whose gifts weren't as valued um, were were sort of being forgotten and, and left behind. And this body metaphor in the Roman world had been used to actually keep everybody in line. So That's what I love about the fact that Paul is using this in a very different way that I'm going to get to. Because in the Roman world, basically he said, yes, the, the Roman communities are like a body and there's a head. And the head is much more important than everything else. And so wherever wherever you are in the hierarchy of society, that's your role, and you will not move out of it because you need. That's where you need to be. You are assigned that role. You cannot leave that role. And you know, yes, yes, you're essential to it. But you know, it's the head that's important. So it, so it it stressed the hierarchy of things. But Paul uses this metaphor. So they would have known this metaphor. They would have they would have heard it before. So but now he writes to them and he says, here's the thing, you're, you know, you're part of the body of Christ. You're individually members of it, but you're part of the body of Christ. But here's how this body works. Here's how this body works. It's it is unified. Just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And this is where we get, for in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. He sort of, it begins to elucidate some of the differences in people that, 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 that we notice. We, you know, we might say, you know, black and white. You know, we might say country folk or city folk. We, we can divide people up all, all kinds of different ways. But he's saying all people were baptized into this one baptism and drank of the one spirit, and so now have a unity in Christ that makes it different than, than the whole rest of society. I mean, just it's, it, this, I, I find this really interesting. The body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. How many people have you, have you heard say, well... Because I can't do this or that, I really, I'm really, I'm, I'm really don't feel like I'm a part of that community anymore. Because I no longer feel useful or functional within within a certain group, I, I don't, I don't really belong there anymore. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna check out. Well, what Paul's saying is that it's we're all useful. We can't just we can't just say as part of as part of the body of Christ as as members of Christ's church. We don't we don't get a chance to just say well. My role is done, or whatever I was doing is done, I'm out. We're called to be participating in the body however we can. Now this is where the body metaphor breaks down, is that I I, I believe that as members of the body of Christ and members of a congregation, that, that our roles change over time. We're not always a toe. We're not always a hand. We're not always a mouth. We're not always a nose. We're not always an ear. We're not always an eye. That, that our role can change as we age or as we, as we gain more skills or as we, or as we lose the ability to, to do things. Um, our, our roles can, can begin to shift and change. And so, but what we're not very good at is that when we, especially as, especially as those things change, we're also, we're often not very good at letting that go and moving into a new way of being. Say well, I can't. I can't serve in this way anymore. So I just can't serve at all. Well, that's just not true. You've heard me said many times in the church. Unless you're unless you're dead, you're not done. You have a role. You have a place. There are things you can do within the community if you can look for them. And what's fascinating here is that he moves on to say that that the you know the the weaker members are actually more indispensable. The weaker members are actually more indispensable. A lot of people look at a church today and, and they look at they look at the pastor or they look at the pastoral staff or or they or they look at the elders and like, oh, they're the ones who make it all happen. Well, I mean if I don't have Troy running the sound, and you don't even need to know he's doing it, he's sitting right in front of me, he's running the sound. if he if he if he begins to Start messing with things; it makes it a lot more difficult for me to do what I'm doing today, right? If we don't, if we don't have Steve and Susan um, and whoever else was helping this morning set up, you know, behind the scenes, so, so that you can have muffins and coffee and, and rolls, you know, it, it feels a lot less hospitable in here. But they maybe don't have a public role out in front that we go, oh my gosh, look at that, you, you know. You're up there talking, or you're up there singing. You're up here, you're up here doing those things. We—that's not the; those are just different roles that we have within the body that help make the body unified, that bring us together to use our gifts and our skills so that it all works together. And that's when it's beautiful, is when we bring people into a serving community and a loving community in this in this body of Christ, and we set. You free to use your gifts for what the community needs to help move the community forward, and it's really awesome to see over the years in, in my in my life here. If you don't know, in the Presbyterian Church, we were are led by elders, and so there's there's a there's a call that comes to to people in the congregation through God and through the congregation that 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 says we believe God is calling you to help lead our church for a period of time, and so those people those people come, and we uh, when, when they're first elected uh, by the congregation, they they are ordained to that office to the office of, of elder, and they serve a certain term. And then they and then they, they can serve two three year terms in a row if that if they feel called to do that and are elected to do that and then they must go off for a time we just back in the early period of the Presbyterian Church once you were an elder you were an elder for life and you stayed on the board for life so just imagine how crazy that was but they figured out very quickly we needed we needed term limits basically to help get. To help to help see what, what what fresh ideas God was bringing into the congregation. That's not my point. That was a little little education about Presbyterian Church. Well, my point is is that so every year we elect two people to serve. Now maybe they've already been on the session for a little while, or maybe they're maybe they're both brand new, or maybe one's brand new. And it's fascinating to me when we when when the nominating committee and I go into that committee those committee meetings, and we're just praying to 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 have God invite us to who is being we who God is inviting into leadership. You know, we just we often just it feels very functional. We just start throwing names up on a up on a board and then we just and then we just we start talking about them a little bit and then we and then we also take some time away and we pray and we come back. And then what's fascinating to me is sometimes where we start out, we don't end up there. And then we Oftentimes then I get sent to talk to those folks and invite them to serve. And and so many times it happens this way. I'll I'll sit down with somebody and I'll say, so the nominating committee and I are you know, we just have this sense that maybe God's calling you to serve as an elder and, and we want to invite you to consider that. And so often the person will say, You know, I've just been feeling like there's something I needed to do. Or I just let go of this other thing, and I just I felt like it was a time for me to step into something else. Very rarely do they go. Oh my gosh, are you crazy? Sometimes, sometimes me. I'm not good enough. Well, anyway, if God calls you, you get equipped. But but what's what's fascinating then is is when those when when those elder groups together, and I tell them this all the time. We you know, and I'll just I'll just say sometimes. Sometimes when we, when we bring those people onto the, onto the elder board, I'll think, gosh, I wonder, I wonder what role this person's going to play around that table. What, 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 what gift are they bringing? And it never fails to happen that at some point during their servanthood as an elder that they are the pivotal person that we absolutely needed to sit around that table at that very time. If it had been somebody else, it wouldn't have gone down that way. It would not have worked as well. Either they bring a new insight, or they challenge us a certain way, or they call us back to grace and love, or they push us forward, you know, whatever it is. It's amazing to see. So you just... So sometimes you just don't know. You don't want to just discount somebody. Well, I don't think that Fred would probably be very good. Well, is God calling Fred? Does Fred feel called by God? Does the congregation believe that that's true? Those things have to come into play, but... Fred's probably, if being called is going to offer something in the community that we that we might not expect, and so we are called then to be bound together in congregations then to be thinking about that how do we how do we honor those that we that we you know that who might consider themselves weaker? How do, how do we, how do we continue to honor those who, whose, maybe their physical bodies doesn't allow them to serve in the same way that they used to be able to? Maybe they're not able to get out as much. How do we honor them? How do we, how do we help them understand how essential that they are that, that they don't, that they can't just say, oh, well, my time's over. I'm done. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull myself out of the community. How do we say no? 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 You, you don't get to do that. We're not being mean to them, but we're just inviting them back. How do? How do we do that? It's hard, and it's hard too because we all have different opinions about how things should go and 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 where we are and and what's next and all of that. And so, in in, in the community of Christ, we seek to listen very intently to all those voices. And being led by elders, there are times when the elders have to make decisions about where we're going that may not be super popular with a group of people. But they seek to lead by following the head, which is Christ. And so, I guess for us there is a bit of a hierarchy, but really it's just that Jesus is our leader and all of us are called to be his hands and his feet, his body out in the world, to seek to bless people with love and with grace. Because that's how the body comes together anyway. It comes together in the spirit. We are individually members of it. So we are complete, in a a sense, in and of ourselves. But then as, as believers, we are incomplete until we are part of A community, and we are serving and giving and loving in that community. And that's what makes it beautiful. Because you can go fast by yourself. But if you want to go far, you do it together. And that is why we were called by Christ into the body. And so may we strive for all of those wonderful gifts. And may we seek to serve with all that we are and all that we have so that everyone might know that they are indispensable. Amen.